Clancy Pasta presents Shapeshifters, written by Kale and Ryan13. Most people easily remember their last conversation with a loved one before their death, just because it's the last they saw of them. But I don't remember my final conversation with my cousin Matt solely because it was the last time I saw him. It was a rainy day. The air was foggy, a thick curtain of mist drowning the city. Coffee is real cold, he remarked, taking a sip from it. A few droplets poured onto the glass. We were seated inside a booth in a small coffee shop on the corner of a bustling city street. We shouldn't have come here. Always crappy service, I responded. A mob of people held umbrellas and shielded themselves from the onslaught of water that burst from the sky. The clouds, which had been swollen and puffy during the last few days, had finally decided to let loose and rain hell upon the world. I took a sip from my glass of coffee and spat it back out, feeling cold droplets leak down my throat. I coughed. It's terrible, I stated. It was your idea to come here. Yeah. Last time I came, it was still better than this. Hey, so I know what you wanted to talk about, Carson, Matt said to me. I pursed my lips and nodded my head. You want me to talk about it? I want you to listen first. Jackson's an ass. Try not to let him get to you too much. I frowned and looked outside again, watching the people go by, staring at their faces. Sore eyes, cheeks slick with tears, and solemn expressions. Leaning my head against the window and watching the crowd, I murmured to Matt. He did everything for me, and then drifted away before he fucked my girlfriend. People change, I guess. Cold-hearted piece of... One of the faces outside caught my eye. It was a man with dark hair and pronounced features. He flashed his pearly teeth forming an ear-to-ear -ear grin. Soulless, empty eyes that seemed to smile just as wide, though with looming purposelessness. He wore a sleek yellow raincoat, slick with rainfall. The hood was pulled over his head. His smile grew wider, and he stared at Matt. I shot Matt a glance, and he narrowed his eyes. The man began to walk across the street, coming closer to the coffee shop. He had a strange glow about him, as though the fog didn't affect him and he could be seen clearly through it. He didn't check both ways when he crossed the street. A car, rolling down the road, honked when they almost crashed into him. He continued to walk. Who the hell is that? Matt? Matt, do you know him? I asked. Matt only stared out the window, his jaw gaping. The man approached. He stood in place, and he smiled. His eyes did not wander back and forth, trained solely on Matt. My cousin stared back, his former squint turning into a prolonged gaze. He produced a weak, seemingly plastic smile in response. The man's teeth gleamed as the headlights of a passing car reflected off of it. He carefully turned around and walked away. The smile disappeared in an instant and replaced itself with the look of a soldier standing at attention. Matt and I trained our sights on the man as he walked away, off into the distance, out of our view. 
The mist consumed him. He was gone. Yeah, people change, Matt said after a long moment of silence, then stared at me. We can talk about this in the car, I replied. We drove along the city streets. I explained it all to him. One of those typical, they ripped my heart out conversations that last for hours and result in the realization that you don't need them anymore, them being my best friend and my girlfriend. I went home and tossed and turned for a while. My mind was still just as cloudy as the world was outside. I cleared the fog by watching reruns on TV. I closed my eyes halfway through an episode. Rest came eventually. I had work the next day and went to that without a problem. The week went on as usual, until I received a phone call later one night, one from my mother. I answered the phone and I could hear sobbing on the other end. Mom? Mom, what's wrong? She sniffled and spoke a few words. Emptiness. Emptiness is the only word I can use to describe it. I lowered my head, threw myself onto my bed, and laid there for hours. It was the calm before the storm, feeling nothing but a pit at the bottom of my stomach. Disbelief was still inhibiting realization. I didn't try to sleep and instead listened to Mumford and Sons, my favorite band, for much of that night. Time progressed. I started to punch my pillows. The funeral came. I walked over to the casket knowing they had kept it closed for morbid reasons. I'd heard enough about the grisly conditions they'd found him in. I'd begged God for change, for this to be just like Lazarus in the Bible. Come forth, Lazarus. Rise from the tomb, or whatever the hell it said. I never used to pray. That night, I found myself praying as I drove home, praying as I showered, praying as I washed the dishes, and praying as I fell asleep. It was a storm cloud hanging over my head, Looking down would make it go away, but you could still hear the thunder. I skipped work for the rest of that week and came back the next Monday. Every few minutes, something would distract me. I shook my leg, tried to keep it still, and then gave in to the shaking again. I tapped my pen against my desk and cracked the joints in my fingers. My computer screen sat before me. Images flashed on it. My girlfriend, Jackson and Matt. My girlfriend, Taylor, and Jackson's smiles looked so fake compared to Matt's now. I went through my computer and deleted every single picture I had left of Jackson and Taylor. This was followed by the memory of my cousin and I, sitting in the shop. Cold coffee. His face. The man's face. His smile. The man walking into the mist. The moment where we shook hands and he patted me on the back and told me everything would be alright one last time. Carson, are you okay? Somebody tapped me on the shoulder. I spun around, feeling myself choke up, and something wet drizzling down my cheek. I wiped it away and sniffled. I'm so, so sorry for your loss. You can go home if you need to. My boss said calmly. Yes, that'd be good. Thank you for understanding, Mr. Johnson. Carson, you know everybody just calls me Michael. Sorry, I said, standing up. 
I pushed my chair in behind me, gathering my things, and started the walk for the parking lot, which was across from the office. More mist and rain. A sheet of water splashed over my shirt as a car passed me in the street, laying on their horn. They rolled their window down. Watch where you're going, buddy, shouted a gruff voice. I didn't bother to look at who was driving. I looked next to my car, unlocking the doors. Someone was parked in the spot next to mine who I had never seen before. She had long, blonde hair. She turned her head slowly, a smile growing on her lips. Chills coursed through me. I got into my sedan and shut the door, starting the car. I shot her one last glance, seeing her impossibly white teeth once more. I didn't smile or wave, and instead threw the car into drive and pulled forward out of my space, zoomed across the parking lot, then proceeded to cruise along the roads back to my apartment. I felt shivers running down my back as I thought of the woman in the car again and that sickening smile that she wore. Her eyes never blinked, she didn't even seem to be breathing. Sleep didn't come easily that night. I threw the sheets off of me, feeling hot and cold rushes winding through my skin. Sweat pooled up in my armpits. I closed my eyes and tried to give in to the blackness. I managed to surrender myself to sleep in time. I woke up with a stuffy nose and a sore throat. I coughed and looked around my bedroom. It was still dark, with light filtering in from the closed blinds, leaving everything a shade of gray and white. There was a looming shadow in the corner of my room, and I saw a whitish gleam coming from the silhouette, like a reflection or a trick of the light. I knew, though, that there wasn't a lamp or coat rack in that corner of the room. My heart pulsed a few times. I felt the blood circulating through me grow thicker, almost defensive, like archers lining a castle wall during a medieval siege. I jolted forward, glaring at the dark spot. It shifted. I felt eyes piercing into me. Who's there? I asked. Nothing in response. I'm not playing any games, I said, my voice sounding withered and defeated. The gleam in the shadows faded away, and the darkness was broken apart as the sun began to shine brighter through the closed blinds. I sighed, stood up, and began to walk around my bedroom, pacing back and forth. The day continued on. I showed up to work and slugged through it all. I kicked my leg against the ground, tapping a pen against the table. That reminded me of the time where Matt and I, during our history class in middle school, had gotten detention after we continued to tap our pens against our desks. The teacher had started off by giving us a warning. By his third or fourth warning, his face was tomato red and I thought steam would start blowing out of his ears. I remember the two of us laughing about it at lunch with Jackson. Lost in my thoughts, I almost didn't hear Michael behind me. Can you come to my office, Carson? I set the pen down and turned around. Um, yeah, I'll be there in a moment. Michael didn't say another word and walked away. I looked to him, only to see the back of his suit and his legs carrying him back to his office. I stood and followed, catching the eyes of my fellow employees as I went. I saw a smile flash at me, but didn't recognize who they were. 
I swallowed and then kept my head pointed down, watching the carpeted floor underneath my feet change colors as I entered another section of the office. Michael's door was left open, and I didn't bother to knock. He had multiple awards and trophies sat on the edge of his desk, a laptop open in front of him. He was leaning back in his chair and cracked his knuckles. Have a seat, he said. He gestured to one of the chairs. I took a spot, sitting down like there was a nail about to jab into my ass, and stared at him. This isn't an easy conversation to have. You're a great worker, and a great man, Carson. I'm not going to fire you. That's not what this is about. But I don't like seeing you this way. I miss the Carson that walks in and shouts good morning every day. I've got an offer to make you. I've got a good friend, Jenna Gray. She's a therapist. I'm sure I could get you an appointment with her for free, and maybe even multiple appointments without pay. If you don't go to her, at least do something. Read a motivational book. Get your feelings out. You know I'm here for you, too, Carson. Take the time to heal, but don't let yourself get stuck in the mud. I miss your pranks and your energy. Noticing the silhouette of a trophy in the corner of the room, I nodded my head. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I, I know. There's nothing to be sorry for. I agreed to see Jenna sometime soon, and Michael told me he would try to get an appointment or two set up. Work got out at five. I walked across the street and to the parking lot. Along the way, I caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of my eye. I looked up. Parked next to my car was the smiling woman. Only this time, I watched as her teeth parted and a snaking, inhuman tongue curled out from it. She didn't say anything and flicked it at me. Flecks of spit shot between her teeth. Her eyes were still stony and shiny, like polished marble. I sprinted to my car and threw the door open. I launched myself into the driver's seat, stabbed the key into the ignition, and started the car. I peeled out of the lot. I didn't look back once and found my apartment using an alternative route. Once inside, I sat at the kitchen table. I cradled my face in my hands, rubbed my eyes, and looked around. I hadn't turned any of the lights on yet. Grayish light covered the apartment. I turned on a small lamp in the kitchen's corner and leaned against the wall. The next day, after work, I went to my appointment to go see Jenna. The fog had broken apart during the afternoon. The horizon was painted sky blue, and a glowing yellow plate hung in the sky, beaming rays of sunshine down on my skin. A cool breeze twisted through the air as I stepped out of my car, closing the door behind me. There were a few windows spaced out between the drab bricks. A bell rang as the door opened. There was a mother watching her son play with trucks on the floor. His hair was matted, and his clothes were wrinkled. There were bags underneath his eyes. I stood and watched the boy play for a while. When the mother looked up at me, I almost expected a smile to spread wide across her face. I found nothing but a frown and two hazy eyes staring back at me. I stared for a moment, then I blinked and found a seat. There was a door on the left with a plaque on it that read, Jenna Gray, in thick gold letters. My sight was trained on the two words like a sniper following its target. I turned my head to look outside again. The sunlight disappeared as fluffy, gray clouds loomed closer 
reminding me of warships. The door squeaked and my head snapped back to the plaque. A filthy, unshaven man coughed and thanked Jenna as he stepped out of her room. With the man gone, I saw Jenna in the doorframe. Her long blonde hair almost covered her face-wide grin and her teeth sparkled, bathed in the dim light of the office. She didn't speak a word to me. I began to take steps backwards, my breath coming in gasps. I felt the collective eyes of the other clients in the waiting room all staring at me. Jenna's mouth opened, and a tongue began to slither out from between her red lipstick. I don't remember the seconds between sprinting from the office and getting home. I just remember lying in my bed, naked and shivering from a cold shower, thinking to myself, the woman in the car. I came to work the day after and performed worse than I ever had since John died. I'd woken up early and parked and planned to leave late, too. While I was at work, I researched and found Jenna Gray's website and looked for a photo of her on it. Jenna had brunette hair instead of blonde, different eye colors and facial structures, too. In the middle of the day, I fell half asleep. When I woke up, thunder cracked and wind screamed all around me. Blue stripes of lightning could be seen through my open window. Rain spilled in as the woman climbed through, the smile still stuck onto her face. I curled into a ball on the other side of the room, clutching a knife in my hand. I pointed it at her and muttered, I'm not playing any games. Nothing in return but the smile. I blinked the sleep out of my eyes and looked around the office. Nobody was making any phone calls, and there was no conversation across the room between co-workers. Only the sound of fingertips hitting their keyboards. My head throbbed, and I winced. I thought about trying to go home. I remembered how many days I had already taken off. I think I managed to create the illusion of productivity, writing a few expense reports, long breaks of pen tapping in between each paragraph. I listened to the clock in the cubicle over as it ticked with each passing second. My shaky hands produced errors twice more often than they had the day before. I found myself deleting whole sentences and retyping them. Doing good, Carson. Michael patted me on the back. You've got this. I nodded my head. Thanks, Michael. I felt him walk away and didn't turn to look. Michael told me I needed to go home when I asked to stay longer. I swallowed, but didn't argue. I clocked out and crossed the street with a thumping heart. I could see the familiar car parked next to my own. I reached into my pocket, produced my phone, and turned on the camera app. I took longer strides and was at the woman's window. She was still there. Her teeth were the first thing I saw. A tongue unfurled itself like a scroll opening. Slobber dripped from her lower lip. I snapped a picture of her and jammed myself into the driver's seat. The car was in reverse and out of the parking lot in seconds. I almost hit a pedestrian as I went out. I heard their shouts echoing behind me. Shivers raced through my body. The shaking fit continued until I reached the apartment parking lot. I didn't park the car and held a foot on the brake instead. 
I opened the photos app. The woman was outlined with static, as if she had been there in the photo and was cropped out. My stomach flipped like a pancake. I didn't sleep whatsoever that night. Light seeping through my blinds was enough to make me jump. My hands trembled and a layer of cold sweat covered me. The headache never left. My body felt spring-loaded, like my bones were going to shoot through my skin. I ate breakfast in a hurry the next morning and parked my car in a small lot just down the street from my office building. A street lamp nearby provided enough dull orange light for me to use the stick of deodorant I kept in the glove box. I had forgotten to shower. Tires rolled across the concrete. My eyes shot over and met another pair of eyes. Stone cold eyes. I threw my door open, closed it, and locked the doors. I heard another car lock, looked back, and saw the woman standing outside of her car. Her mouth formed a toothless grin. Two tongues slipped out this time. I checked her license plate. There was no number on it, just a sheet of white metal. I sprinted into the office. I didn't get a lot of work done the next day. I took the most pen-tapping breaks that I ever had. Michael appeared behind me again, clapping a hand on my shoulder. He murmured his congratulations and sauntered off back to his office. I looked outside as a flock of crows, like little fighter jets, soared by. I ate a cold ham sandwich for lunch and went back to work. I stared at the crumpled up wrapper that sat in the trash can, shook my head, and tapped my pen against the desk. I felt a hand on my shoulder, turning around to see Matt. He was only there for a second long enough for me to see the crazed grin on his face before he disappeared. I froze, my mouth gaping open. My heart jumped a few times. The day started to come to a close. People began to leave the office. Intentionally, I'd left a large task undone. Do you think you're well enough to get it done tonight? Michael asked, tossing me the keys to the office. I'll try. No promises. My throat was dry. You can lock up then. Thank you, Carson. Lots of respect for you. Yup, I replied. He left the office. I heard the door closing behind him and looked around my cubicle. There was a picture frame in the back corner with papers piled on top of it. I reached out, brushing the pages aside. Underneath was a framed photograph of Jackson and I on the first day of sixth grade. I stared at him, mostly. His blonde hair was spiked and crusty with gel. Now his face appeared devilish, like that of a mischievous kid. I wished he was in front of me right now. My hands needed to beat something. Glass shard stuck out from my bloody knuckles after I'd brought my fist against the picture four or five times. With the glass broken, I tore out the photograph inside. My hands ripped it to pieces without me having to think about it. I dropped the remains over the trash bucket in my corner, and they drifted down like snowflakes. I launched the wooden frame into the trash afterwards. My breath came in shaky gasps now. I closed my eyes and leaned back in my chair. I heard scratching from across the office. 
didn't rouse me. The scratches came again, louder. My head shot up. I squinted and looked at the window on the other side of the office. Most of the lights were out, leaving the building a dim, lifeless color. Fog built up outside, and rain poured down in sheets. Raindrops raced down the glass. A message scratched into the glass was lit up on the window. I shook my head. The urge to stay sitting was powerful. Curiosity yanked me by the hair and dragged me over to the scratches on the window. My first thought was, it's just a nightmare, Carson. It's a fucking nightmare and nothing more, so don't go screaming running out of here. Written from the inside of the office, it read, You don't smile back. The balloon that had been inflating since that day in the coffee shop with Matt had just burst. I heard a loud pop in the back of my head. I ran back to my desk, gathered my things, and dashed out of the office, shutting off all the lights as I went. I locked the door behind me, crossed the parking lot, and got into my car. The woman's car wasn't there. The next thing I remembered was being back in my apartment. I'm still there as I write this. I've gone to work every single day for three days and haven't seen the woman once. I've seen her in my dreams almost every night now. It's just a replay of that nightmarish daydream I had during work. Rolling thunder, howling wind, pouring rain. Her and the windowsill climbing in while I cower in the corner with a blade I'm too afraid to use. The sensation of being spring-loaded has grown. Matt's cause of death was never released. I think I understand why now. Yesterday, my other cousin, Grant, gave me a call. I answered the phone with a grumbling, Hey, Grant. Carson? How are you holding up, man? I drew in a deep sigh. I looked out the window next to me, watching the crows find their way through the fog. Holding up, I guess. I heard Grant swallow through the static. Listen, Carson. I've got... I've got some fucked up news for you. About Matt. I waited. A few more crows flapped by, this time closer to my window. What? What is it? I stammered. Grant's words came out choked. His bones stabbed through his skin, Carson, like his body couldn't contain them, he explained. That's how he died. It was like a rotten, decomposing hole in my chest had begun to gnaw away in my flesh. A few more crows flew by the window. This time, there was something on the glass. A smiley face was scratched into it, done from the inside. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. 
You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash Clancy Pasta store. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers.